Here at Miss Teacher Mom, we recognize the great privilege and responsibility that we have as parents to educate our children. Beyond math and phonics, this also includes building their characters, molding their hearts, and reaching their souls. A burden too big to carry on our own. We sense the call to missional motherhood, but we could use some help from those who have more experience and wisdom than us. So we're calling upon some wonderful godly women and men to encourage and equip us as we seek to raise our kids with eternity in mind. So today we're talking to Joe Carter about what it means to be sojourners during election season. Joe is an executive pastor at McLean Bible Church in Arlington and an editor for the Gospel Coalition. Joe, thanks so much for talking to me today. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, as a Christian mom, I'm excited to glean wisdom and insight from you. You've written numerous political pieces on the Gospel Coalition website, but you're also a pastor and a dad, so I'm really hoping that all three of those roles and perspectives will come into play during our conversation. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so, too. Yeah. Um, I've asked you to come talk to us today about what it means to be sojourners during election season and beyond. Uh, my perception or thinking and using the word sojourners is the fact that, yes, we are American citizens, but our citizenship our permanent one is in heaven, and that should affect how we act here on earth. Growing up, I wasn't very aware of politics, but the American people seem to be more hostile and divided than I've ever witnessed before. I think people on both sides are scared, angry, really passionate about what's going on. And my, my first question for you is, as sojourners in this world, what truths from God's word should be guiding our thoughts and our feelings during this election season? Well, let me, let me start by saying that you bring up a good point about something feels different about our current era. Uh, but I, I don't think it's because our country is more hostile or divided than it was before. Uh, for example, right now, we're seeing a lot of riots and protests, violent protests. But in the six-year period between 1964 and 1971, there were more than 700 riots. Uh, now, wow. I'm, I'm 51 years old, and I've never lived in a time when our country wasn't divided or mm. wasn't hostile to, to each other. I think what's different now I think is the, is the frequency about which we hear about such divisions. When I was a kid, the national news came twice a day. You get the morning newspaper and you get the evening TV news. Uh, and even people who cared about news, they only they didn't think about it all day long. But now the news is constant. And with, the, with social media, we can't escape it. Uh, so we're forcing ourselves to think about politics and these divisive issues all day long. Um, in fact, we almost feel like we have an obligation that if we're not thinking about these negative things, uh, then we're bad citizens and we're doing something wrong. Right. Our silence is seen in a negative light as well. I agree. Yeah, exactly. We get criticized for that, uh, for not taking issue or not speaking out about this or just not saying anything. But God's word, God's word says we should take a different approach. As the Apostle Paul told the Philippians, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, now Paul isn't saying we should ignore our problems. But most of the time, we have no way to take action on political news that we're hearing. So why are we consuming so much of it? Why are we focusing on the good things in the world? Why don't we focus on God's creation and, and God himself instead of focusing on things that we just have no control over? And just trust God to take control, take, um, to, to, to be responsible for those things. Yeah, I think that's helpful. I am thankful to hear that, and I, I do agree with you. Um, <clears throat> And nevertheless, we are also responsible to vote. We're responsible to have opinions about these things. How can we navigate what that looks like as believers? There are clearly ways to be a light in the world, ways to 
seek unity and ways to love one another, even when the climate is hostile and when people are so opinionated? What should that look like for <clears throat> Christian moms in this era? Well, you kind of mentioned that first when you talk about sojourners. As Paul told the Corinthians, we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Uh, and an ambassador is an envoy that represents a sovereign or a government to another foreign government or foreign land. So when Paul calls us Christ ambassadors, he's, he's not just using a political metaphor. He means this in a, a literal sense. And as Christians, we have a dual citizenship. We're ultimately all monarchists because we all primarily citizens of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And we submit our rule to the King Jesus. Yeah. But we're also citizens or what we could consider maybe resident aliens or of earthly state, the United States. So our primary allegiance should be to the kingdom. Uh, and it should be to our local church, which is the outpost of the kingdom. That's the embassy in this world, which is the most political or unit organization on the earth, is a local church. And as ambassadors, we should certainly care about the political struggles of the earthly nation. As you know, Jeremiah 29, 7 says, seek the welfare of the city I've sent you into exile. And in a sense, we're in exile too. And we're affected by these policies of the early nation, of the United States. But we're called primarily to focus in on God's kingdom. And if you find yourself so concerned with uh, the next election or saying, you know, this, this is the most important election of my lifetime, then you probably have your priorities skewed. You're probably not focusing on what uh, the political units that God has put you in, which is the local church in your local area and doing things like that. So we should be much more focused on what God has called us as ambassadors to be, which is primarily to make disciples than things about elections. Not, not saying, again, not saying elections aren't important. But we are literally ambassadors. We are literally political representatives of Christ on this earth. So things like our election are, while important, they're not near as important as the other tasks we're called to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that's really helpful to hear. And I think, like you said, it puts things in a perspective. And we are taught by God's word to mind our own affairs and to keep peace among men. And as a mom, to be raising my kids and be busy in my home. And like you said, loving on the church body. And if I'm busy doing the things God's called me to do, then I shouldn't necessarily have a ton of time to be super stressing out about things going on in our political world. That's right. Um, so I'm hoping to post this episode come October, which will be right before the elections. And I think you'll probably repeat some of what you've already shared, but what words of encouragement can you share with moms who the day after election day might find that who they thought would have been the better candidate as a Christian um, doesn't win? Whether that's because of their their thinking on abortion or other political matters, immigration or things that are important to them as Christian women and might think that the opposing candidate won't favor principles that are important to our values as believers. Well, let me first say that um, whichever candidate wins, they're not going to represent our values. That is uh, so that, good. Thank you for saying that. I think if we haven't recognized that yet, we're really missing the boat. Mm -hmm. uh, so the second thing I would say is, no matter what, God's still in control. Mm -hmm. We put so much emphasis on elections and things like that that we forget, especially moms, have the most important political role in America, which is raising godly kids. Uh, if you want to change the world, if you want to have an impact on the future, raise kids that have a Christian perspective, that have an eternal perspective, that are going to go out there and, and make a change for the world. Um, this election is, is important, as every election is important, but there's no there's nobody who's going to come out and just um, uh, overturn abortion or you know change the world so radically. What's going to happen is our kids going out there and convincing people that abortion is wrong and convincing mm -hmm. people that racism is wrong and convincing people about all the things we care about. Having that is going to be more effective. So after the election, your job's going to be the same. Mm 
mm. raising kids that are going to change the world by being ambassadors for Christ. Amen. That is so encouraging. And that honestly leads me to my third question, which is in regards to our kids. So my goal here on the Miss Teacher Mom podcast is I have a bunch of moms listening and we understand the call to missional motherhood, but sometimes we could use help in the practical elements. And I'd love to talk to you. You've written a book um, for parents. What is it called again? Uh, the Life and Faith Phil Guide for Parents. Yeah. And you talk about a lot of different practical tips and, and aspects of raising our kids. And I'd love to talk to you about what that means in regards to politics. We want our kids to be informed. We want to prepare them to be adults living in our society. So what is that? What could that look like for Christian moms as far as helping our kids have a biblical worldview? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of take a contrarian position, especially for somebody who's a journalist who writes on politics a lot. And that's going to say, I don't think our kids should be informed about politics and that they should mostly avoid the news until they're at least 16 or 17. Uh, And I kind of explain a little bit more in my book why I take this view. But but the short version is that most of politics or most of politics isn't really politics. It's political news. It's something we hear about, but we have no way of taking action on. Uh, And the purpose of news used to be about informing us so that we could take an action which is why most people used to be cared about local news because local news is usually something you can take action on. You can go to city hall, you can change things. But in our era, the focus is on news stories that we can't do anything about. And think about all the news stories you're gonna to hear today and then consider how much you can directly affect. Now, now, if you as an adult can't do anything about them, what can your child do? Why are we spending so much of time informing our kids about things which they have absolutely no control over, they have absolutely no ability to change, and all we're doing is we're increasing their anxiety. So I don't think we need to raise our kids to have an opinion about the political world. We need to raise them to know what God says about our world and to be absolutely committed to upholding God's standards no matter what. Now, I think if we do that, then we develop Christians who are worthy of engaging the political realm. If we just teach them to have an eternal perspective on what God matters, when they get this, uh, when they have certain views, like on, say, take abortion, for example, if they know what it, uh, the human dignity is, if they know what human life is value to God, then we don't have to tell them abortion is wrong. They automatically know that abortion is wrong. They will know how to treat that political issue in the public square when the time comes, when they can actually do something about it. And so I think just by focusing on what we're called to do, like I said before, uh, creating ambassadors for Christ, developing them the knowledge, because ambassadors usually don't know what they're going to deal with when they get to another country. They have to take what comes as it comes. What we should be doing instead of teaching our kids how to get involved in politics at you know such a young age we needed to shape them be the kind of people that when they become an adult and when they can actually do something they will automatically know the right thing to do because they're shaped by god's word and i think that's the that's probably the most important thing we could do is just uh, and and again don't the idea that our kids should be up upon current events i mean when i was in school we used to have to like i was in sixth grade we had to study current events what did they gain me i mean it did you know, we bunch of news stories that nobody even remembers now. And it didn't teach me how to think about politics. My parents did by teaching me in Sunday school, uh, here's what God says about this. So I think that would be the what I would encourage parents to do. Just focus on raising godly kids. And later in life, maybe when they're almost out of high school or getting to college, then you can bring in the political issues and just explain to them why you think the way you do based on God's word. And I think that's probably the best way to approach it. That's so helpful. I don't want to assume that everyone is homeschooling. Um, My husband and I hope to, but do you have a word of encouragement for parents whose children are in the public schools and might be hearing some of this, not by their choice, but 
because of their circumstances being at school? Yeah. And, and again, we can't judge people because they don't homeschool, but we, but parents who don't homeschool should recognize your kids are getting discipled by people who aren't you. Uh, and unfortunately, one of the biggest problems in America right now is people being discipled outside the church. Most of Christians in America are being discipled by cable news or talk radio rather than by their pastors, their leaders in the church. And the same thing is happening with your kids in school. They're being discipled about what is important in school. And I think part of the thing is you should be able to have influence over your school to say, listen, I don't, my kid doesn't need to know this. My kid doesn't need to be reading uh, the newspaper in sixth grade or watching cable news. What is, what is that game? They should be learning how to read, write the skills you, that they're sent to learn and you can teach them the other stuff. So try to control as much as you can about uh, how they're being shaped in ways that, uh, and be, and be recognized that they will be shaped in ways that don't conform to your values. That's just mm -hmm. the, the reality of it. And so you'll have to probably do more work to kind of overcome that. Um, and, but that's, you know, if that's the position you're in, that's where God has called you to do. And I think he's probably given you the ability to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and then, as you said before, continuing to teach them the foundations of the word so that when they are hearing things in school, even if it's younger than you'd like, they're still forming a biblical worldview to hopefully be able to filter what they're hearing from others. Yeah. And I would say one more thing to add on to that is that uh, all kids, whether they're homeschooled or in, in school, need to know God's word. But I think it's especially important for kids who are in the public schools to know how to stand up for God's word and stand up for what they really believe in, because they're going to be a lot more pressure than homeschool student who's not facing this day to day uh, about, I believe this and they're getting pushed back. Well, uh, the Bible has no authority here. And so they need to understand how to engage uh, winsomely and not, um, not get in fights about God's word, not to try to push it on people in, in ways that aren't helpful, but just stand up for what they believe in and be able to articulate that in a way that shows that, they're not going to cave and, and help them develop the courage. So they're not going to feel like they have to cave in to fit in, in, in public schools. Yeah. And I think that goes back to what you were saying before that that's why the foundation is the word. It's not all the political topics or even other things that our culture thinks is important, but it's the word. So even from a very young age, we can be teaching our children the word so that when they go into those circumstances, you've already spent years and are continuing to spend years building that foundation and understanding. They need to be kids. And so let them be kids and try to, uh, you know, keep them from that stuff. Let them have a port, you know, let them recognize the importance of these things, but they're not, if they can't act on it, if they can't contribute to it at their stage, then there's no reason to push them to, to know that kind of stuff. Just let them be kids and let them and help them be around other kids that feel the same way. They're not pushing them into activism and things that really aren't proper for their age. So a quick question based on sure. something you shared. Yeah. So, because you said that even like, even for adults, we can't, control what's going on in the political world. So we should really focus on what God's given us to do in front of us instead of worrying so much. So, but your job is writing the articles, the political articles that it seems like you're telling me not to spend too much time reading. So as a Christian, like as a sister in Christ, as a, from a pastor's perspective, what do you recommend in that regard? Yeah. And I'll, I will say, think? I've actually written articles. I've written articles about how the news makes you dumb and people mm -hmm. are like, well, you're, why are you doing this? One of the things I think God, I think God put me in this position because he knows I don't care about news or politics that much. <laughs> and so my, what I think the, is important is, is learning the context about it. And once okay. you learn the context, you can learn if it's actionable. Like the, like with the, the riots and stuff going on, 
a lot of it has to do with how law enforcement is treating black Americans. Mm-hmm. Well, how is your local law enforcement treating black Americans? That's what you should be concerned about. No, if you don't live in Kenosha, what are you going to do about it? So, you know, use that to affect where you live, where you can take some action, rather than just getting upset and writing on Facebook a post about something's going on in the rest of the country that um, you, you have no direct control over and you're ignoring what you do have control over. Mm, yeah. Uh, like, you know, I, every year I have to write about the March for Life and everybody goes there and uh, it's great that they're all marching, but where are you at when marching in the local pregnancy crisis center? I mean, mm. um, it's easy to kind of get involved in politics and news in a way that you don't, it doesn't require anything of you. Mm. You know, you write a Facebook post and you've done something. Well, that's not really doing much at all. And, and that's kind of why I try to, I try to write about news in a way that it puts things in context so you can determine whether you can do some use it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've noticed that about several other pieces. They're not necessarily opinion pieces. They're more like this. These are the facts in a concise way that you can eat to save you hours of trying to learn it all in yeah, a bunch exa- of other places. Exactly. Yeah. That's helpful. Thank you so much. I'd love to close just by asking if you have any final words of encouragement for moms during this season who are seeking to raise our kids with eternity in mind. Um, I would just say, don't fear um, your kids. There's a, probably more pressure now than ever before uh, with pornography, with the, the political, everything, just the, the information cycle is constantly bombarding your kids. You're still qualified and capable to teach them what they need to know and trust God will use what you teach them effectively. Now, you're not going to raise perfect kids. Uh, they're not going to go out there and just do everything like you want them to do, but uh, you raise them up now to do the right thing. And uh, the Bible says when uh, they get older, they'll follow it. So um, be encouraged that you're doing what you can. And if you're doing faithfully what God calls you to do, that is all you can do. And that's all God's going to hold you accountable for. Thank you. That's so helpful. Thank you for your time, Joe. Thanks so much for having me on. I hope that today's episode has encouraged and equipped you to raise your children with eternity in mind. And remember, we are not doing this alone. As Christians, God wills us to will and to work for His good pleasure. We are trusting in the finished work of Christ, and we're empowered by His Holy Spirit. If this episode has been helpful to you, could you please write a review for other moms and share this podcast with your friends? For more information and the show notes, check out MissTeacherMom.com. And please join us next week for the Miss Teacher Mom podcast.